All right, folks, it's hockey night. No, wait, 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 wait. It, it's mentioned in dispatches. <laughs> I just got hockey on in the background here because I got uh, I got the Canes beating up on Tampa, which is nice. First game come out of the trade deadline, and the team that didn't make a move is beating the team that made a lot of moves. And Dallas just took a lead on the Oilers. So anybody that really wants to go back and reconstruct exactly when we are recording this can probably do so based on Pavelski scoring a goal against Edmonton as the uh, as the Canes are winding up their win, you know, against Tampa here at home. So with all of that completely irrelevant non-wargaming content as a lead-in, tonight our buddy Martok is back. Sam, how you doing? Good, Brad. How are you? I'm I'm doing all right. At some point, our buddy Brian's supposed to crash the party, but he is in the process of wrapping up the Blood Bowl game, and uh, and will be along presently. But but he's got some uh, he's got some ball to kick first, so we got to wait for that to finish up, and then uh, and then he'll get here when he gets here. This is one of the cool things about. The way the Dragoons have evolved here, uh, a little bit by design, you and I were talking about this earlier, yep. that we're here to enable people's gameplay. Like, we we, we want to help you feed your game-playing addiction. And to that end, one of the cool things about our Discord is lots of folks are using it for playing games. And so we've got a Blood Bowl tournament going on. I guess a Blood Bowl league tournament, competition, whatever. And so that is uh, something that was organized in our forums, and we're using the Discord to play for the uh, the live audio visual that's also the same place that like Keth will and and you know some other folks have hopped in there and just gotten some pickup games of some osg stuff so we've uh the discord has worked out fairly cool and and sam you're in there pretty regularly you you hang out on discord with us a bunch i do yes so, so. try to hit up try to hit up happy hour if nothing else when 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 mondays roll around yeah one of the cool things there is that you are one of the happy hour regulars and that is that is nice so for folks that, that don't know aren't on discord or or aren't regulars in our forums or you know living on mars i we don't <laughs> judge you want to live on mars go live on mars totally cool um say hi to deja thoris for us we have a uh, happy hour on discord at uh at, at 5 p.m. Eastern time. It's a little early for a lot of the continental U.S., but if we go much later, then we lose the opportunity for the Europeans to be able to join in. And we just all kind of hang out, flip on cameras. If you feel like flipping on your camera, grab a beverage and just chat. And it's it's not always wargaming stuff. Uh, we spent a bunch of time talking sports this past week. And so, uh, but it's just an opportunity to hang out and chat. And, and we call it happy hour. It's gone happy two hours in the past. I don't know. Yeah. Have you stuck around for a multi-hour one yet? I've I've been well, I've been there for a few when it, when it's gone well 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 past the hour mark. Yes. Okay, I thought so. Um, oh yeah. So so for folks, just because you can't be there like right at five when it starts, pop in anyway. Come say hi. Uh, odds are pretty good we're still there and still hanging out, and still going. And personally, I would love to to like sign off. And so right now, I'm helping organize connections online, which means that our Monday weekly planning meetings are right after the happy hour for me. So I have to bail out to get to those. It would be really cool to like pop back over after those planning meetings are done and see that happy hour is still going on. That would be kind of neat. Um, Right. That's your new mission, Sam. Keep happy hour going for an extra hour. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll see. I'll see what I can do about that, <laughs> dude. I'm giving you license to drink more beer. I wouldn't think that would be a hard problem to solve. Uh, well, I I was already drinking more beer. Don't worry. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Tonight we're not here to talk about the Discord. Uh, although we could, uh, what we're actually here to talk about is um, Slytherin has released their new big tentpole 4X game that is Distant Worlds 2. Yep. Uh, obviously, the sequel to Distant Worlds. Uh, Distant Worlds Universe. Yeah, pro probably didn't need to be a math major to put all that together, but but there it is. Now, Sam, you are the big 4X space dude over at the Dragoons. Uh, everybody kind of defers to your expertise for good reason. Uh, you were also one of the players on our... Uh, uh, well, we, we had our Space 4X podcast that you were a key part of also that folks can see the link down below if they want to go back and listen to that one as well. So so this is, I mean, this is your wheelhouse. This is your shtick. And it is. And this, yeah. is well, this, this has been a long-awaited game, which is, you know, it, it's cool. We love the anticipation building up. Um, it feels like the anticipation never actually is fully fulfilled because there's no way something this long-awaited can, can live up to all the hype. That said, before we dive into DW2, 
all that deeply. Talk to us a little bit about the sort of state of the art of current 4X gaming. What are the big franchises out there? Uh, how how recently have the major releases happened that Distant Worlds 2 is sort of competing against? And then we'll dive into DW2 a little more specific. Well, oh boy, where to begin? I mean, the, the one... The, is when, when it comes to space 4x games by far the, the 800 pound gorilla in, in in the in the genre right now is stellaris okay um which as you know that's that's my that has been my favorite for the last few years as well yep um you're not alone in that thought <laughs> a lot of people love that game yes um and and it's it's I think it's fair to say, too, that Stellaris is Distant Worlds 2's not only most obvious competitor, but I think that's the game that, whether they outright say, whether Slytherin outright says so or not, that's the game that they're competing against, that, they're, that, they, that they would love to take down, so to speak. Not that you ever want to take down a game, you know, that's that, that's, the game, that's the game that they would love to somehow top if they could. Yeah, Slytherin wants people spending money on DW2 instead of Stellaris. Yeah, so... Well, and they're you know they're both large scale. You know, we're talking you know both both games have you can have galaxies of you know a thousand stars. Distant Worlds Two now actually can you can have galaxies of like two thousand stars. They're both somewhat unusually for Space Forks games. Both games are real time as opposed to turn based. Um, but yeah, both huge games, grand scale, um, and, and both and both kind of look you know both kind of are have their own storytelling elements, although they do it in different ways. Okay. Um, so so yes, yeah, so, I mean yeah, Stellaris is that's that's the that's the, that's the most obvious one to to, to talk about or to mention. Um, you've also got uh, the Galactic Civilization series, Galactic Civilizations Three. That one came out in 2015. Galactic Civilizations Four is currently in beta and is slated to be released later this year. So that's 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 another big one that a lot of people are looking forward to. Okay. Um, you know that that game is that series to, is a little less focused on storytelling and a little more focused on strategy so to speak and it's it's a little bit more of a, a mechanical game if you will or a game built based more on its mechanics than than, than the yeah, than, than storytelling and role-playing aspects okay um you know uh there's there's the end and there's there's the endless space games which i've admittedly never really been able to get into but are very very popular um you know, Let, that, let's not ignore the obvious distant worlds 2 is an update of a previous distant worlds game i mean and, that, and, that's, where I was going, and that's just yeah, that's what i was about to mention next is yeah D distant worlds universe or w which which itself was a compilation of distant worlds one plus its three expansions yeah yes so not that it's directly competing with that but that is the same space it's trying to inhabit it's that's by design yep you know? yep well, yeah, and then, I mean, they, you know, Eric Ritten's from, you know, from Slytherin has, has said that, you know, they're kind of, they're trying all along to basically, they weren't trying to reinvent the wheel with Distant Worlds 2, they're basically just trying to create a better Distant Worlds, because the first game, for as cool as it is, no no one really argues, will really argue that it was, it had its rough edges. Yeah, which eventually things expand to their rough edges, you know, there, there's a certain point at which a very tightly polished design of any kind of game eventually gets expanded to the point that it it does start to fray a bit and that that applies to computer games as well as tabletop games at, at a certain point the expansions start to overwhelm the game and you start to kind of scratch your head and wonder wait why are we doing this again uh, it, and that applies not just to war games but to general tabletop games the original carcassonne and the first two maybe three expansions were all pretty tight well-focused expansions once they start adding you know the dragon and the catapult it, it just got silly uh, <laughs> right so um I, i've always been a firm believer that what space 4x games need are more space hamsters though right isn't, <laughs> isn't that what every space 4x game needs is like a key tent pole feature you got to have space hamsters don't you space hamsters oh uh, yes absolutely absolutely so hey. That's that's what we need. We need we need more fuzzy opponents to pet instead of trying to blast them out of the sky. That's that's what we're after. Sorry, I hope you weren't taking a drink when I when I brought up the space hamsters. No, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. Good because I don't have to buy you a new keyboard. So yeah, I, I've I've got a spare somewhere if I really need it. Ah! Ah!
All right, so we've got uh, Distant World 2 as the update to Distant World Universe. We have Stellaris as the 800-pound gorilla in the room. We've got a couple of the others you've mentioned. In in terms of the 4X genre, uh, there's, there's obviously the historical 4X games, which a bunch of us are big fans of. We've talked the Civ series on the podcast before this season. Like, we have several multiplayer Civ games going right now. You guys have some multiplayer games going uh, for the Space 4X ones. What, what was it that you and and Barth and Dave had going? Uh, that that's that's an empty game for Stellaris. Okay, so yeah. I, I thought so, but I didn't remember for sure. So we we've got a couple of these different multiplayer games going out there for for some old school folks thinking back to the early days of Space 4X games. I, I, am I correct in assuming that Master of Orion is still sort of the you know it, it it's the or game from which all other Space 4X games kind of sprung down the way somewhere, right? More or less. It's it's not it's not the absolute first space forex game but it was it was one of the first and more more importantly it it brought together the various different elements of space forex games in such a way that it kind of remains the benchmark the the gold standard of the genre yeah yeah and and you know the guys who were the design team behind master of orion are the ones that coined the 4x term so we sort of got to give them some props for that too yes all right so distant worlds here we've got distant worlds universe you said was dw1 plus a couple of updates um a a couple of the expansions i'm sorry i said updates i meant expansion yeah so as as you look at distant worlds universe as sort of a complete package what were the two or maybe three standout things that it ended up being able to do really well well the distant worlds i mean first of all part of it was scale um because Mm -hmm. it was one of the first games to to come out that allowed you to play with really big galaxies because even the first distant worlds game you could still have galaxies of up to 1500 stars your computer might cry a little bit trying to run the game but it could do it and so so just just the scale alone was fairly unique on top of that, or rather combined with that, what, what would have made it especially stand out was the the private economy in distant worlds. Um, how you know you've got you've got civilian freighters going back and forth, you know, going to going out to this asteroid or to that moon to mine these materials, bring it back, bring it back to your home planet or the nearest the nearest planet that you've colonized to drop those resources off. Um, and and how and, and kind of your your job as the players more just to you know you're 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 building a military to protect your 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 private economy so that they they don't get attacked and destroyed by pirates and cho- choosing the right the right planets to colonize um, because unlike a lot of space forex games you don't nece- you don't necessarily want to be colonizing every last piece of real estate that you can find that's actually not the optimal play style. So you're not just, it's, first of all, the expand piece isn't just a universal expand everywhere to everything at all times, but also in terms of the economy, you're more facilitating it than you are micromanaging it. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. You, you really don't, you don't micromanage the civilian economy at all. It's, it's, it's part of the distant worlds. It has like this living galaxy feel that, that, that was, that was, and is one of its sticks. It's that's one right. of the points of appeal in, you know, you, you get to watch your civilian ships flying around and, and passenger ships will transport um, people emigrating from one planet to another, or they'll be transporting tourists from one of your planets to uh, a, a tourist station that you've built somewhere that has, you know, fantastic views or something like that. Um, and, and yeah, no, and what you're, and what you're doing is you're, you're doing on, on your end, you're using your state funds, partly through, which are partly through taxes and partly through other types of income to build stations and ships, basically an infrastructure and, and, and a military that helps support those things. As a guy who can spend all afternoon perfectly happy sitting there staring at the same waterfall, the idea of Getting on a spaceship for tourist purposes for a nice view just seems a little crazy. You'll get an argument from me, but it's, <laughs> but you know, it's it, it's fun watching that passenger ship fly around transporting those people to do that. Oh, I'm sure it is. <laughs>
because the Distant Worlds game, the original one, Distant Worlds Universe, had a couple of expansions there. Obviously, the usual patches, bug fixes, maybe a slight tweak here and there. Started to get a little long in the tooth. Hey, let's build DW2. One of the big changes, this thing went from 2D to 3D, right? Correct. All right. So now that you've played DW2 for a little bit, how, how good is the 3D? Is it that big of a deal? Is it kind of a yawn? Is it awesome? Is Does it suck? Does it like... Look, you you had to go get a new computer to be able to play DW2. So obviously there were some performance <laughs> issues, but uh, <laughs> well, you know, we we knew my computer had already had problems before that. That just that was just kind of the final straw. Yeah, yeah. Problems other than the operator, right? Okay. <laughs> so so talk to us some about the three Dification of DW2. What has that done for us? It's. It's it's good. It, it it's it's certainly. I mean, yes, the game definitely looks nicer. I I think that it's it's good for the aspects of you know it, you know better atmosphere you know and better immersion factor. Was it really worth all the extra time and effort that they put into it? I still don't know if I I can answer that question. All right, R truly positive or negative, I don't I don't know that I I could tell you yet. So um, to be fair, as we are recording this, the game's only been officially released for what ten days ish. 10, 12, 12 days now. Okay, so twelve days now, and and you had a little bit of hands on time with a pre release version that Slytherin had made available to us. Um, for the website for for our right. coverage but not a lot of time with it right right so so this is all still pretty new in everybody's hands which is, is which is cool yeah. um everybody got to start somewhere yeah one thing i will add about the 3d and it, it which makes it frustrating and i i, I just posted about it on the forums earlier this evening before before our recording session here, which is that something I find frustrating is that with the with the with the with the in-game camera, you cannot pan. You can only basically pan with it basically horizontally around ships and planets. You can't you can't use them. You can't use the mouse to rotate like above or underneath anything. Which it's like then what was the point of adding of switching to 3d of adding 3d objects yeah yeah i, I is, is that something do we know if that's on the roadmap to eventually get to or that's just here it is and you'll like it no i i don't think they i don't think they've gotten anywhere near that far i think they're still busy squashing bugs and trying to fix major major technical issues for the people who are still having problems fundamental problems running the game that they haven't even started thinking about thinking that far ahead yet I, again you got to start somewhere right <laughs> yes yes yeah 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 you got to fix the most you got the fix got to fix the biggest bugs first understandable but yeah the the whole it's like why were why take the why take the trouble going to the time and effort to switch to 3d and add these nice looking planets and ships if you won't let us pan around at all angles to look at them in their in all their glory it just like i said it's it's a it's a minor gripe as far as things go it doesn't really affect gameplay per se but it it, it does seem a bit baffling yeah that uh that does seem to be suboptimal um but again it's 12 days old right, right. We, we might get there the the we may see some expansion uh, we'll just have to wait and see what happens yeah so I, I i suspect that at some point they 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 will release the camera restrictions or enable it so that you can pan in whatever direction because it it does seem like a, a fairly a fairly odd limitation and eric and elliot have always been pretty responsive to player feedback so yeah yeah well it and that is a that is a key point we want to bring up is that the responsiveness to player feedback has usually been pretty good from these guys oh absolutely that's so. yeah i mean i i know I've, I've i've seen complaints on both like the matrix forums and steam forums you know you, you see the usual accusations that you know oh slytherin released this game game or when they did so that they could start making them getting the money to roll in right away and that now i don't not for a second do i buy that yeah yeah you know they eric and and and, and elliot who's you know he's the he's the he's the main developer for the game like has too much pride in his work like there's no way I mean, if they'd had any idea of the of the technical problems that everyone was going to have when they released this game they wouldn't have released it they would have delayed it yet again and yeah. put a more rigorous play test of that if they'd know which yeah it, it's long been said 
that it really doesn't matter how much play testing you do. Somebody's going to find something wrong with it once it gets out into the real world. And and having worked on a variety of different game projects over the years, both on the professional and the commercial side, I wholeheartedly agree. There was a good quote one time somewhere that's been attributed to just about everybody that ever worked for SPI at some point or another. Uh, but it was, games aren't necessarily released. They just escape. <laughs> yes. So, that uh that that's probably true in many digital game cases yeah so so um yeah, yeah. and given you know and, and like you said eric and ellie i mean they've been incredibly responsive so i mean they've already put out how many patches in the last week and a half two weeks already yeah just you know and and they're already in like i mean most of it well most of it has been bug fixes some of it's already been starting to address other gameplay issues and some of the, and a few balance issues which managing to work that in while doing actual bug quashing that's that's pretty impressive yeah yeah especially because you know those guys haven't slept in two weeks i suspect it's more like two months but yeah well two, two weeks for sure well i mean you know it's been about two weeks since it was released as we are recording this probably three weeks by the time people hear this uh those guys have got to be running on you know caffeine fumes at this point and yeah. whatever whatever their latest sugar rush is yeah they're probably snorting pixie sticks at this point just to you know keep crunching along As the Dragoons proudly charge into their eighth season of Mentioned in Dispatches, we'd like to pause and thank those Patreon supporters who pledged at the regimental patron level. So a heartfelt thanks to Treb Curry, Staggerwing, Patrick Mullen, Mike Quigley, Hethwill Wargames, Patrick Garrity, Robert, Kevin Bertram, and Joseph Knoll for their support of the Armchair Dragoons and enabling us to bring you the best wargaming content we can. You, too, can sign up as a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash armchair dragoons. I'm thinking the Blood Bowl game might have gone into overtime or something, man. Those dudes are still going. Crazy. Yeah. Dude, we're going to have to yell at Brian when he finally gets here. Assuming he finally... We're going to have to stay on this podcast until he gets here, Sam. We're going to find things to talk about. So. Speaking of which, talk to us a little bit about DW2 here. Are there, in fact, space hamsters? Not space hamsters. There are space, there are space rats. Space rats. Okay. Yes. There, there, there's, there's a race called the Tekken. That right. They're, they're one of the seven races that are currently playable in Distant Worlds 2. And as you might imagine, they are also pack rats. And they're, they're, they're kind of good at engineering. They're kind of good at trade. They're, they're not, I believe they're, they're not, they're not the brightest, meaning that the, the research rate is a little bit slower, but they're, they're, but they're fairly friendly. If you, if you, if you get them on their, if you get on their good side early, odds are that they'll stay your friends throughout the game. Okay. So not, not, not necessarily that you're not, not sure how much you'd want to pet them, but yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So, I, I generally try not to pet rat-like space aliens when one happens across them, perhaps while out on an afternoon stroll. I, I tend to keep my hands in my pockets and just look at the ground and speed up a little and go past them. So, yeah, it's, it's just, you, you, you don't see them. You're not there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what, what other, what are some of the other significant races that players might get a chance to either encounter or perhaps take the role of as they're playing with DW2 here. Well, uh, my current game is as the Xenox, who are basically they're they're a feline like race. You know, they're they're and they're big into uh, uh, accruing ancient knowledge about the past. Okay, uh, this, because there there is there distant worlds. The distant worlds universe does have its own lore, and yes. it and it has to do with like this ancient evil. That came and basically attacked the galaxy at some point. There are rumors that the insectoid races may or may not have allied with this ancient evil. Um, if you bring it up to those insectoid races, they get kind of angry about it. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, and, and one of those insectoid insectoid races, the Boscara, are currently playable. They're they're in, they're they are insanely aggressive, deceit and deceitful and mis and untrustworthy. So they're uh, perhaps fun to play. Might be fun to play. Probably want them as your neighbors, though. All right. Speaking of people you wouldn't want as your neighbors. Uh-huh. Ain't that the truth? Can you hear no, me? No, no, we can't hear you at all. Okay, okay good. Now we know to answer that you're asking. Yeah, you're just in our imaginations. What's so, going on, guys? So here's the important question: Who won the Blood Bowl game? 
Oh my, I, I am highly angry at that Blood Bowl game. I, I was basically <laughs> playing against a person who had no idea what they were doing, and I still wound up, it was a tie, two to two. Half my team is injured. He, The way he scored was just ridiculous. They basically gave him to the ball, gave him the ball on the two yard line, and he just walked it right in. It was, it was a fiasco. <laughs> It's uh, it's kind of like the secretary in the office pool that wins the March Madness brackets by just picking the, you know, the the coolest uniform colors, right? Exactly like that. The 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 if it wasn't for my quarterback, the biscuit slinging a uh, like an eighty yard pass downfield and a hail mary, I would have lost. So. All right, look, my school played the biscuit school for several years. He can't throw the ball eighty yards. <laughs> I believe you. He's, uh, he was down from he was North Carolina, right? Yes, yeah. He so while this isn't necessarily a hundred percent true, it's gonna be really close. I think he might be the only quarterback Mac Brown ever had get drafted huh. from uh, from from North Carolina. He had quarterbacks drafted at, at Texas, obviously. But right. but I think he's the only quarterback Mac Brown ever had drafted in North Carolina. When and did Mac Brown go to Texas? Ninety six, ninety seven. No, it was a little later than that because ninety seven, ninety eight, he was still at UNC. So it was uh, late nineties, early two thousand, ninety nine, maybe. Okay, his first year there. But it, it actually caused a stink in the early nineties. When ECU spit out Jeff Blake and David Garrard and Marcus Crandall all kind of back to back, there was like one other dude in between there. Steve Logan, who was either the offensive coordinator or the head coach at ECU at the time, part of his recruiting pitch, and he used to actually openly say this on the radio with radio shows around here, was, "Hey, look, if you if you want to get a high-powered, recognizable school on your resume and you want to be on TV a bunch, that's fine. Go play at UNC. If you want to get drafted, go play in the pros. Come to ECU." you ah. and mac brown took offense to that called up steve logan and tried to chew his butt for it and steve logan said tell me what i lied about <laughs> Look, i've got jeff blake and david gerard both playing in in the nfl and marcus crandall starting in canada give me your list of pro quarterbacks mac brown there you oh, go whoop, you don't have any tell me what i lied about <laughs> So, all right, enough of our football digression there. So, uh, Brian, Sam was talking a little bit about some of the details of DW2 as a game, some of the things it allows you to do. We were talking a little bit about some of the races in the game. You've played the game for a little bit yourself now. Uh, what's your overall impression of Distant World 2, particularly as it relates to other Space 4X games? I have no idea. I, it's so hard to get a grip on this game. Uh the, the first thing you do when you start off is trying to figure uh, out what to automate and what not to. The first time I started playing it, the computer was doing everything. I'm like, well, this is kind of dumb. Then I read a uh, player's guide and it basically said, you know, when you're starting a game, things to select for automation and so forth. So the game that I've restarted is uh, halfway uh, uh, enjoyable. Uh, there is just so much detail to it. Uh it's hard to know where to even start as far as the game goes. I'm trying to just put my focus on the military aspects and, uh, you know, moving fleets around and so forth while letting uh, most of the uh, credits that I'm earning and stuff is just being done uh, by automation. I pretty much get little boxes that come up and say, I need a mining station here. Okay, go ahead, do that. You know, so it it is so vast a game, you know, trying to get your head wrapped around all the mechanics is it's a chore <laughs> yeah so so new war gamer likes blowing stuff up with the military sure sure and uh like i said i'm getting all these resources and everything and i'm letting the computer there's just so many resources you know in order to build things that I'm not sure who in the right mind would want to be the one to actually micromanage, you know, all that. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's somebody out there, but uh, not many. Well, it, go ahead, Sam. Well, it's not, it's not supposed to be, especially, especially the resource gathering part. It's that, that there's a reason it's all automated. That, that 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 aspect especially otherwise you yeah. do, otherwise you lose your damn mind yeah, absolutely uh i i found it interesting how like you have your own military fleet but then in the background there's this whole civilian fleet that you really don't control going on that's transporting all the uh materials and stuff like that i thought that's pretty neat uh watching them go around doing their thing so yeah oh, absolutely and as i was telling brad that that that's kind of one of the big appeals about the distant worlds games both both the first one and and, and the second one here is is the the private civilian economy is is completely independent of the the the, 
the player. You you can subtly influence it in certain to a certain degree, but I um, mean, for for the most part, yeah, like you said, it's doing its own thing. Yeah, it's it's pretty neat to just see the way it works. Uh, I I haven't uh, played it enough to uh, actually understand how, other than you know, just putting satellite mining satellites and stuff like that out, how to actually influence anything uh, as far as well, that goes. Yeah. Well, and if 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 you if you if you do, by all means, share with the rest of us. <laughs> Well, and as far as the military thing, you know, I'm building sh uh, ships and I'm building fleets. Uh, one of the things you run into this problem with all these games is you really don't know when you first start playing whether, well, is that adequate, the fleet I have, or am I going to get stomped? You know, who knows? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm kind of enjoying that. Uh, one of the uh, pirate factions in particular has a battleship, and I can't even build battleships yet. I'm not even close to that. But it's got one single battleship that's just terrorizing one of my uh, colonies. Oh, and there's, there's there's not a whole lot I can really do about anything about it at this point. But uh, I've taken on some pirate factions so forth and so forth. And uh, I was successful. I overwhelmed them. Uh, haven't been brave enough to take on one of the other factions yet. But uh, we'll see. Well, and it, it could be too. Like you know, some of the, one of the one of the neat things about pirate factions is is that they're not always how do I phrase this? I mean, you, not only do you not do you not have to engage them militarily, militarily, there are there can be actual benefits to engaging them diplomatically as well. It's it's not about it's not all about just paying them protection. Right. I was trying to see if I could actually absorb them into my uh, empire, but I wasn't able to figure out how or if I don't think I was even able to get there uh, to have them like me enough, so to speak. Sure, yeah. I don't know if that's possible. I would like it if it was, but but yeah, it's like yeah, I've, I haven't gotten I haven't gotten relations high enough with any pirate faction without would where they'd even think about it anyway. I I I, I find the uh, shipbuilding kind of enjoyable, but one of the problems I noticed is, say you build a ship, okay, you got all the weapons on that you want, you know, looking good. The way uh, uh, research progresses, obviously your ship's going to become obsolete. And if you build your own ship, you have to kind of micromanage it as far as upgrades and stuff. While if you just kind of take the generic ones, the computer, you know, uh, spits out at you, it, it's much easier. You, you just hit the refit button or whatever, or re refit fleet, and, and they'll go to the near, they go to the nearest shipyard or whatever and, and do it. Yes, but if you make your own ship, you know, if you say your fleet is built, made up of your own ships, it's not going to know what weapons to upgrade, if that makes any sense. Right, so I know, but you know, and, and honestly, that was an issue in the first game too and i will admit that the more i'm playing this game while i'm definitely having fun overall the more i'm playing this game the the fewer quote-unquote improvements i'm seeing versus the original well sam before we dive into that because that's that's an important thought that that i did want to eventually get to and so you're, you're jumping ahead on me here slightly but yeah. i want to back up to the pirate factions here real quick because you guys both talked about them some it sounds as though for for someone looking for a frame of reference somebody like me who's not a major 4x space 4x kind of guy it sounds to me like they are roughly analogous to the um city-states in the Civ series games in that they are these free agents out there, these independent actors that you sort of have to deal with and account for, but they're not um, they're, they're not a part of one of the larger empires, one of the larger civilizations. They are these singular things that just sort of pop up here and there and kind of annoy the crap out of you. But it, it sounds as though they're a little more, uh, a little rougher and a little less diplomatic than the city-states in the historical 4X kinds of games. It, am I roughly on track with how those appear and, and the way they behave? Yes. Well, so there's kind of like, there's kind of like two, there's two, ind there's, there's two types of independent actors as you put it, Brent, in, in distant world too. One are the pirates. The other are independent colonies or independent worlds. Okay, okay. So yeah, you can come across independent worlds that are, you know, inhabited by this race. And it, and can, be, it can be inhabited by... You know the same race as the one you're playing as which if that's the case it can make it a lot easier towards you know it, it could end up being a situation that where 
that independent colony could end up joining your empire. So not knowing that there were independent worlds out there, I would revise and say that those sound more like the city-states from the historical 4X games where the pirates are behaving more like the barbarian tribes in the, the, the historical 4X game. Yes, that's Man, exactly right. You probably be agreeing with that statement as yeah. you listen to this, so yeah. all is right with the world. Yeah. I would say that with, 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 this, with this caveat, which is that the pirates in Distant Worlds 2 are their own genuine entities and they they do have their own uses besides just existing to be destroyed to, to clear out to clear out a threat they can certainly serve that purpose but they can do useful things for you too well i think that's what ended up happening with the barbarian tribes and some of the civ expansions that now they will have their own motivations and behaviors and you have the ability to negotiate with them and to do some other things so so it sounds like there are similar refinements just in a slightly different genre of how these guys behave so i was wondering if they you could do that with the uh, pirates and uh I was kind of looking in the negotiating menu, and I didn't see anything really all that clear as far as being able to have them attack another faction or anything like that. And I wasn't sure if I had them attack the faction, whether the other faction would be mad at me for having the pirates attack them. So, But that's good to know that you can't use them in that way. Depends on how well you cover your tracks, right? Which, which is just, you used to be able, you you could do that with pirates in distant worlds universe. You 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 could have them attack another empire, and it could ha it could come out fall things could fall out where that other empire could find out that you were the one sponsoring that those pirates, and well, there would be, obviously be, be just a teensy bit of diplomatic fallout as a result. Just a teensy bit, though, not yeah. a lot. Yeah. So I do find it interesting that apparently that is no longer an option with pirates in the sequel here. Oh, it's not. So you, I wouldn't be able to. That's why I didn't see it when I was looking at the uh, negotiating menu. Well, that, that or if that or it's I'm not sure I've I've not played the game yet enough myself to have discovered nearly anywhere near all of its ins and outs. Yes. So. But I, I just know I've not come across the option either. Now, whether that is because my relations with other empires have not been fully established enough or my relations with that pirate faction are not integrated enough or, or high enough where they, they would come to me and say, hey, we know you don't get along with this empire. We could cause some trouble for them for, you know, for the right amount of, for the right amount of credits. Right. Um, I will... I, I would I sure hope that option is still is still in the in in the game under the right set of circumstances because it does, I, it was you know it, it was so nice to have in Distant Worlds universe. It, I don't know how useful it was, but it added a nice amount of flavor. Well, I'm going to look right now to see. I'm just going to click on a pirate faction to see. Well, oh, yeah. so in in all fairness, Sam, as we had noted earlier on the broadcast, this thing's two weeks old, right? Not no. look, the game is not two weeks old. Obviously, these guys have been developing this thing for the better part of five years, right? But but it came out two weeks ago. It's yeah. This thing's two weeks old, right? It's been gestating for five years. It's been alive for two weeks. Even if that's not a viable option this very moment, that doesn't mean it won't ever be. And sure. it may be one of those things that in the interest of let's make sure it actually runs on all the advertised hardware might be slightly higher in the coding priority than, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you can pay off some pirates? So yes. I, I, I think there are some understandable, you know, differences in the approach at the moment. So this is when I, I have the pirate menu up here and uh, there's nothing that comes out and says anything, you know, attack such and such. Now, there is a thing that says contact another empire. I have no idea what the hell that means. You can, you know, it says you can contact, it gives you a list of all the different empires to contact. Why you would want the pirates to contact another empire, is that is that code for attack the empire? I don't know. Probably not. I suppose yeah. it depends on the kind of contact you want them to make. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, but I, I probably though, once I, it's probably contingent upon if both you and a pirate faction have both have contact with a certain empire, then the pirate can probably eventually offer to attack that empire on your behalf, should you so desire. Okay. I, that, well, this is Brian. He would so desire. I would. <laughs> well, and now if I can do that, I'm kind of kicking myself for getting rid of the uh, pirate factions that I had in uh, my territory here. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I'm, I'm usually, 
I, I'm usually choosy about which pirate factions I, I get rid of. Like, like if, if there's some, like, if, they're, if their protection fee is reasonable and, you know, they've actually provided me, like, oh, I got this technology from them for a reasonable price that they that they sold to me. Or they sold this, they, they sold me this map for, of a nearby system that actually was fairly cheap. That, you know, they're they're offering me good deals on stuff. Maybe I'll keep them around. Right. You know. It, 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 really it, yeah. Right, yeah. All kind of depends on how useful they are or not. But yeah, if, if they're demand if they're demanding insane amounts of protection money, and or if they're if, if you buy them protection money, and sometimes they may still they, they keep threatening you anyway. Like they, they they insinuate that the moment that your 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 current deal is gone, that they're going to go back to attacking your your ship and stations. Well, then then obviously it's on. Right. There is very much a metaphor for romantic entanglements here, right? <laughs> as long as they're useful to me, I'll keep them around as long as they're providing some value. But as soon as they, you know, start annoying me, I'm kicking them to the curb. But I got to say that the game, by and large, is, I mean, the closest thing I can think of to it is uh, your just in my playing is uh, Europa Universalist. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things going on and it's going to take you a long time to figure out how all these things interact and work with each other. Oh, yes. uh, I'm, I'm, you know, watching YouTube videos and reading guides and stuff like that because, and, and let's be honest, the manual, you know, just, they even admitted in the manual that they're not going to be able to tell you everything. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I'm finding a lot of guides and stuff to be uh, the most helpful thing. So, Oh, I mean, just uh, distant worlds universe had a high, had a pay steep learning curve. It's almost a learning cliff. And distant worlds two is honestly, I would say it's almost the same. I mean, it's the 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 the, the UI is improved and makes things a little bit easier to find stuff and get around but it's yeah. lived down to its predecessor huh yeah yeah if you're like boy who's got you know a paradox background that helps yeah <laughs> all right so sam as as you've started playing with dw2 obviously a bunch of different kinds of races we talked a little earlier about the this the, the space rats we talked some about the uh the elven cats or whatever the heck they we want them to be uh of the ones that you've had experience with in the previous distant worlds games are they did they bring them all forward are they all still present how did they tweak them uh did they just hunt and start over what did they do for bringing the races because you mentioned this is a galaxy with a deep lore behind it did they keep it when they brought when when they launched dw2 or did they just start from scratch so the the, the short answer to your question is yes they kept it they brought they, they brought everything forward all, all right good so yeah the the, the lore the the base it's basically the same stories before all even though they're even though only seven of the races are currently playable, all twenty are still in the game. You can just only play as seven of them as seven of them right now. So you could still run into the other thirteen, right? Yeah, you you can still run into the the Kiadans, who are, are another they're one of the, another mammalian race, or the Wakaras, who are they sort of look like someone with a with a Cthulhu mask. Uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah. That, is, that sounds awesome. So it's it, it's almost like the early editions of Street Fighter, right? There were five characters you could play, but there's 20 characters in the game. Yeah. So. Well, they, let, let me uh, compare uh, Distant Worlds 2 to uh, the other the other game that I played the most of kind of this genre is uh, Endless Space 2. And right. uh, that's no slouch either as far as complexity. Yeah. Uh, as a right, it's too early into DW2 to actually really make a true comparison, but I would say I did enjoy uh, Endless Space 2 a little more at this point. Uh, probably has to do with familiarity, obviously, but uh, we'll we'll find we'll see eventually. All right. So yeah, just because it's a little too early to be making comparison doesn't mean we're not going to do it, right? We're, uh, we're totally going to make those comparisons. I hate to I hate to do it, but uh, because like I said, it's not really fair to DW two for me to really say ES two is better at this point. Uh, there was a lot of things I didn't like about ES two. Um, you know, here's the problem with all these four X games. Once you're uh, expand enough, it becomes 
you, you start to lose fun as you become more powerful because you have more to pay attention to, more, you know, just little things to take care of. Uh, it seems like this is going to, I have, my empire is not too big in DW2. I only have two colonies. So once I start to uh, get more, I'm starting to think to myself, well, things are kind of frantic with two. What's it going to be like once I get five, six, seven, you know? Right. Well, yeah, it's a fair question. First of all, it seems like some people are just masochists and love micromanaging all that stuff. I don't quite understand how or why, but you yeah, sure. not I said the brand. Yeah, no, no, nor I. I'll I'll be honest. I'm, I, you know, I've seen I've seen a lot of complaints about Distant Worlds two so far, where it's like they, people say to talk about you know the game that they, they that the game basically just plays itself and they feel like they have no input. Whereas I I am happy. To let almost everything be automated and I just dip my hand in every once in a while. Like pretty much the only thing that the only thing that I run manually right now is research. Okay. Well see, you know, that's what I came across this guide that helps you you know, he makes some good points as far as set, uh, what he sets up as far as automation and that. And I bet pretty much copied uh, directly from what he had set up. Because like I said, the first time I played the game, I was literally going, well, the, the AI is doing everything for me, <laughs> you know. And yeah. that's that's kind of the power of DW2. That's kind of the great thing about it is you can customize this as pretty much as much as you, you want to. Uh, but... The hard part is trying to figure out how to customize that, and it's going to take a lot of playthroughs before you realize, well, okay, I want to be doing that, I don't want to be doing that, and so forth. Yeah, like, yeah, which aspects do you want to micromanage yourself? Yeah, do you want to manage yourself? Right. Well, and let's be honest, though, that's not unique to DW2. You would have a hard time naming a 4X game for which that is not the case. No. but Whether it's a space 4X game or a historical 4X game. That is, you know, Brian, you mentioned the EU comparisons for a historical 4X one. Man, the, the level of micromanageability in the EU games of what you can do yourself versus what you can automate is a pretty high amount of manual overrides should you choose to use them. Yes. I'm very familiar with the Civ series games going all the way back to Civ 1 in the early 90s. Yep. And, and you had the ability to specify, I want this person working this tile for this purpose uh, even you know almost 30 years ago at this point so so that kind of granularity was always there if you wanted it i i guess the question now becomes sort of how far in the other direction do you swing away from micromanaging um, in order to make the game playable but still enjoyable and it sounds like we're trying to find that balance right that's that's exactly it the thing about dw2 it's almost it's a database that's constantly, <laughs> constantly going, you know, and uh, you got yeah. ships flying around, but there are so many numbers and stuff and screens where you're looking at numbers, just looking at your ships and, you know, just one weapon's going to have like 20 different factors that go into this one weapon, you know, range, damage, and a myriad of other stuff, yeah. you know, it, 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 it really can become overwhelming. Yeah, the only ones you care about are range and damage. Who cares that, about this? Exactly. All right, so we've talked some about kind of the things we like, the things that, you, Sam, you mentioned a couple of the headaches. Brian, you mentioned a couple of things that are still mystifying you that are going to take some time to figure out. And I think, you know, again, that is a, a fairly universal thing with any kind of 4X game, whether it's a space one or a historical one. These are complex animals that take time to understand. And the goal for the designers is to make it fun for you to play while still trying to figure out how to play well. And I yep. think different games do variable, you know, ha have variable success at trying to do that. As you look at DW2 right now, uh, again, knowing that we're we're just barely two weeks into its lifespan, um, Sam, you mentioned, you know, in terms of things you would like to see added, a fairly cosmetic one is you want the, the 3D view, you want that camera to be able to move in more than one plane of, of motion. You, you want to be able to actually have a 3D game. So exactly. That's something that's on your wish list. What's another something that's on your wish list there, Sam? Um, better, I don't know if it's all, better AI automation for fuel use. I mean, I've, I've experienced it and I've seen complaints, including just today in the forums about, you know, you, you see so many you run into so many instances of ships running out of running out of fuel when they when they shouldn't be. 
Well, it's uh, funny. Well, the price of fuel is very high, and it's stifling your economy and its scarcity. Well, th things like th this is you possibly imagined having to deal with such a thing. Like you'll like say you'll you'll discover this old derelict ship, but it's very powerful, so you want to add it to your fleet. And so, but what? It, but it's almost out of fuel. So what it does is instead of going, instead of going, like say only a little bit out of its way to the nearest to the nearest mining station that has fuel in it, it instead tries to merge with, go directly to the fleet that you've added it to, even though it's almost out of fuel, thus causing it to go at only a fraction of its main, of its nominal speed. Here, I think I found a. Uh remedy to this because I, I was running into the same problem first off i wasn't exactly sure what the fuel ships do i was attaching them to fleets and uh, so forth but i was finding they would go into the battle with the fleets never a good idea to bring your the fuel ship into the battle with you right. but uh but here's the one thing i did i kind of uh spammed i built like 10 of them okay and i just put them on automatic and now they will go wherever i have a ship run out of fuel they will go out there automatically and full, uh, pull them up so that's the way i'm dealing with that right now the other it, which brings up the point i have no idea how far these fleets are you know able to go before they run out of fuel it's just a number to me it says it you know my one ship has 200 fuel okay well that's great yeah how far can i go with 200 fuel is there is there a button i can push that shows me the range or something like that i don't know when you, when you click on a ship or a fleet there should be like a circular dotted orion dotted line around it that shows its range okay that's what that is yeah. <laughs> i know what you're talking about <laughs> That, that was some unintentional clarity, but that's okay. We'll allow it. Well, now, is that a one-way trip, or is that, you know, so that's, I can get there, but am I going to be able to get back? That's, as I say, that's just showing how far it can get on its current fuel supply. Okay. So, no, it's not a, it's not a one, so, yeah, that's on a one-way trip, essentially. Ryan, depending so, on where you're going, you may not want to come back. Oh, no, this, is, this is true. Well, my other question is, so I was attaching fuel uh, fuel ships to my fleets. How many should I attach? Uh, All of them. <laughs> one, you know, draw one the fire away from your actual capital ships you need to win the battle. There you go. But, but Ryan, bearing in mind that I have not played Distant Worlds 2 yet to know the answer any more than you do, in just, I do know the Distant Worlds universe, and I, I would be willing to bet that the answer is similar here. Typically in Distant Worlds universe, one one re, one fuel ship per fleet was typically enough. Typically. Okay. So now if you have like an extremely large fleet, then then a couple, then two, yes. But generally speaking, one fuel ship, as long as you're keeping it out of danger, is sufficient. Well, Brian that has an entire space fleet of muscle cars. <laughs> so he's got these Camaro class battleships and these Trans Am class cruisers that burn twice as much fuel as anyone else. And, and their engines primarily convert fuel to noise. That's their that's their key purpose. That'll be in the expansion. Yeah, so, you know, and I, I will. I should say, you know, for, for all that I'm grumbling about fuel issues in distant worlds, that's one thing it definitely has up over Stellaris. Which Ryan, you didn't hear this. You don't know this since you weren't here earlier. But that is my that is that is my current go to space four X game. Okay. Um, one thing that Distant Worlds has always had over Stellaris is the fact that there is, you know, you have to figure and feel that there, that the the game has logistics, right? Yep. And, and, well, and yeah. would you say that uh, Solaris is EU four in space? Yes. Europe Universalist. That's and, see. As much I've, as any game can be, yes. I've heard that, and that was one of the reasons I never really got into it, uh, just because of the fact that I'm playing EU4, I'm buying the expansions for EU4, do I really need another EU4 in space? So, <laughs> yes, you need space hamsters in your life. What kind of dumb question is that? So I never got into that. I feel like I said Endless Space 2 is uh, kind of what I got into, which I have found enjoyable. It's got a lot of uh, really... Uh, I don't, unique uh, mechanisms in the game, such as, you know, uh, singular missions and stuff like that. It, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, Brian, knowing that you don't have a ton of time into DW2 just yet, is there something that's really jumped out at you as a glaring thing you want to change? Is it the way in which you manage the fuel ships, or is there is there something else that, that you're thinking, God, if they could get this one thing right, I would love this so much more? Well, it's hard to say because it could be just be something I'm missing, you know, like the fuel ships. I hell if I know how many are supposed to go in a fleet. Matter of fact, I don't even know how big my fleets are supposed to be. Yeah. So in this case, you need a help guide. Well, I, 
it's all gonna this is the type of game like eu4 and stellaris and endless space 2 all these type of games where the reward is you playing it and learning and the more you learn i mean in order to really get absorbed into this you're just gonna have to keep playing and playing and studying and studying how to play this game to order to actually know what the hell you're doing and it's gonna be a it's a hell of a learning curve it's gonna take you know if i played this for the next two weeks i'd probably get the you know just just uh, DW2, I'd probably get a good handle on what's going on and what I should do. But at this point, you know, we're still just stumbling along trying to figure things out. Like I said, I got 14 ships in a fleet. Is that good? I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> not not when you run into a 22-ship fleet, it's not. Well, exactly. I, as I, long I as you keep running into six-ship fleets, you're probably doing okay. This is true. <laughs> All right. We, uh, we're a little over an hour here as we are recording this. By the time I edit out myself saying, um, we'll get under that hour. And so that's cool. Uh, Brian, I know this is a bit of a shorter appearance for you, but uh, we were chattering for a bit while you were busy, you know, laying down dead in a Blood Bowl game. So uh, <laughs> with that in mind, Brian, you, you've you been playing around with DW2 for two weeks. What What is your general summation? You, you mentioned EU4, you know, sort of Europa Universalis in space. That's probably not a wholly undeserved uh, descriptor. What do you think of the game generally so far, and what are you looking to do next in the game? What's the next thing you're going to try to do and see if you can pull off? Well, uh, I just colonized my first planet other than the one that, you know, I started at. And I was wondering if that was ever going to happen because apparently that that is a long process <laughs> it, took, it took a long time for uh and it was from one of those uh uh singular uh planets if you will okay. you know kind of the city state that i uh was able oh. to i was able to negotiate with them and uh you know colonize their place and it took a while uh i i'm enjoying the game overall uh as like i said i think it's going to become more rewarding as i know what the hell i'm doing uh and there's going to be a, I'm just going to keep, you know, reading the guides and stuff and uh, watching some YouTube videos to see, you know, what I'm missing or, and what I can do better. As far as what I'm going to do next in the game, I don't know. Uh, just keep trying to, <laughs> just keep trying to expand. Something completely accidental, no doubt. Yes. <laughs> Sam, final word is yours. What it, What's the biggest thing you like so far? And then what's the next thing you're going to see if you can try to do in the game someday? Biggest thing I like so far. I realize that I realize that unfortunately everyone else has had my experience, but given this is going to sound very dull, but the I'm really liking the the game's performance, technical wise. Okay. Um, it it runs it runs so it, for me for me it has run very smooth. The load times are so are are short. It's there's not there's not really been much lag. Which when you're playing in these galaxies with two thousand solar systems and each solar system has a minimum of a dozen planets and moons and god knows how many asteroids which by the way that's something else that stellaris can't do not in the same way or, or doesn't do um it's and and just and just and the fact that the game can do that and with with all the ships flying back and forth it's it's honestly impressive so you got a lot to chew on yeah and, and the fact that it and the fact that it is in 3d yeah yeah. So with a lot to chew on, what's what's the next bone you're going to chew on? What's the next thing you're gnawing on? Well, prob probably trying to get myself into a, a good proper war at some point. It's something that I've been studiously avoiding. But <laughs> You know, you know, my, my play style is a little, a little bit more of a, can't we all get can't we all just get along? Um, a little more of a hippie, huh? Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I, I, I like building up my, my industry, my infrastructure, and, and you know, that's, that's, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I get, I really get a kick out of, you know, watching, you know, watching those mining and research stations slowly get built across, across my solar system and neighboring solar systems, and, and seeing the civilian ships going back and forth and watching that built, watching that get built up. If, if it wasn't for the fact that I didn't also like watching ships blow each other up. I'd probably be a big fan of games. Well, there's weird people everywhere, so there's no reason you can't be one of them. I know this is seemed a little disjointed going through DW2, but that's cool. It's still very new. It's still very fresh. There's still people 
figuring out what they're doing with it, like Brian, and there's still people that kind of had an idea what to go for, uh, but are still figuring out how to do it, which is Sam and plenty of others. We do have a long, I mean, that DW2 thread in our forums is over a couple hundred posts at this point. Um, yeah. all, all sorts of opportunity for folks to jump in and chat and offer some help with each other. And hey, look, if, if you want to talk to us about writing your own personal little AAR or strategy guide for DW2, please uh, shoot us a note, send up a flare, and, and we'll see if we can't find a way for you to contribute some of your own hard-won knowledge to the body here at, at the Armchair Dragoons. Um, guys, thank you very much for being here this evening and for being able to pop in and join us. Uh, for Brian, this is two weeks in a row, dude. Thanks. Has this ever happened? Uh, for you being two weeks in a row, no. It took us seven years to get one week in a row with you. <laughs> well, I guess you're here every week, so I, I'm not a trailblazer by any time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, we, we have multiple dudes named Mike, and that seems to throw people for a loop because they think that Mike is here every week. And he kind of is. It's just a different Mike. There's a Mike here almost every week. They're all yeah. the same. They, they alternate a bit. Um, but yeah, so this is, this is, I, I'll see if we can avoid calling you in from the bullpen next week. So let you, my, let you, my, my wife will be happy. <laughs> uh, we definitely want to keep her happy. That's, that's a focus there. So, um, Sam, don't want to keep you away from your beer any longer than, than we can help it. So we, uh, I do appreciate you popping in here. You, you are that Space 4X expert amongst the Dragoons, whether you intended to be or not. That's sort of what you got tagged with. And, uh, and we appreciate you. So thank you for taking some time and offering some thoughts on this. And, uh, and, and especially for as, as much as you chime in in the forum and help people through the, the game there as well. So that's awesome. Absolutely. All right, uh, audience, we'll catch you next time on another episode of Mentioning Dispatches.